episode 84 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Good amount of stuff to get to this week. We got a week of Knicks action to get to. We'll talk about the All-Star game. That's a topic we have not talked a ton about on the show yet. Should there be one? Will there be one? And the ramifications for and against. We'll play a little pros and cons with it. And we'll, I mean, I'm still not quite sure whether or not there should be one. And I'll ask for your thoughts as well. We'll talk about that later on in the show, along with the Knicks week and some other Knicks news including a potential trade that could impact not only the playoff race for the Knicks, but one of their closer rivals as well. But first and foremost, hope you're doing well. Thank you guys for continuing to listen to the podcast. For those that don't live in the tri-state area, it's been a little bit of a crazy week weather-wise around here. I had to shovel and snowplow over two feet of snow um, the last couple of days, probably like many of you out there as well. It's been hectic. It's been wild. There's a lot going on and that's just the weather. So it's just been a crazy couple of days. So I have not been able to, uh, to watch all the NBA basketball I would have liked to have watched this last week because of the weather. But thanks to the good old radio, to the good old uh, you know, streaming on your phone. I was still able to catch up on the Knicks stuff this week. Very exciting week, I thought, at times for the Knicks. You know, and again, we'll get to the All-Star game later and some players' thoughts on it and and things of that nature. Because to be fair, that's a conversation that's coming closer to the forefront. It really is, you know. And again, last week we talked about Julius Randle being an All-Star, potentially, and he does need some more votes. If you're going to go vote for somebody and you're a Knicks fan... Go vote for Julius Randle. Um, but also, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, it comes back into that COVID scope and into that COVID conversation. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about the Knicks week first. And and it was a bit of an up and down week, but it started out really well against Cleveland, a game I thought the Knicks kind of had to have. I know it's still very early in the season. The games, you know, it, it's... Again, the games are coming pretty thick and fast, but it's also, you know, the Knicks are, again, it's, we're, we're building more of a sample size. The Knicks have now played 23 games after this last week of action, but there's still a crap ton more to go. So it's difficult to put an inkling on, you know, certain teams and things like that. But this game felt like a big game because the Knicks were playing the Cavs. They're close in the standings. You know, it's an early season, you know, playoff kind of tilt. And the Knicks picked up a really big win. They did it pretty convincingly, I thought. Again, it was the first quarter reminded me of first quarters where the Knicks have gone on to lose. It was a very rock fighty kind of first quarter. Both teams did not shoot the basketball extremely well. A lot of fouls, you know, not a lot of action. But the Knicks turned it up in the second quarter, went in with a healthy halftime lead. And managed it well the rest of the game. And we saw some great performances again from the youngsters. You know, Emmanuel quickly leading the way with 25 points. And I really thought that R.J. Barrett had one of his better games of the season. He he was fantastic for the Knicks on both ends of the floor. 
Another great all-star caliber performance from Julius Randle. Two rebounds, four assists shy of a triple-double, along with 16 points. And the Knicks got some more boost, not just quickly off the bench, but Austin Rivers chipping in with double figures, despite a poor shooting night from three. Other than that, it was, you know, mixing and matching. You know, pretty good performance from Mitchell Robinson. Not as much offensive pop as you'd normally expect from Alec Burks, but did chip in six rebounds. Another really poor performance from Alfred Payton, I thought. As a starter, to only end up with two points and three assists, there's not much of an excuse for that, but Emmanuel quickly came off the bench and was fantastic. So you can kind of shuffle that under the rug for now. But Alfred Payton in this game, you know, kind of gave, uh, sorry, uh, Emmanuel quickly gave Alfred Payton something to think about a little bit in this particular game. Still not seeing a ton yet from Obi Toppin. My guess is he he can't be 100%. That's got to be what it is. They're not playing him uh, as much as maybe we would have expected, you know, 20 plus games into the season because there's still a lot he's got to work on. And, you know, I I thought defensively Nerlens Noel off the bench played rather well. So I I think that, you know, you throw that all together, it's a solid 102 81 win, but the Knicks controlled the game for the really the last three quarters of it. The first game, the first quarter was a bit of a rock fight, not a ton to separate the two because they both both teams kind of stuck up the joint for 12 minutes. But then the last three quarters, the Knicks really asserted their dominance as the better team on the night and deserved the win. I thought thoroughly, you know, and 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 gave, you know, I thought at the time gave themselves a little bit of confidence going into the Clipper game. And it showed, I thought, in the first quarter. that The first quarter, the Knicks kind of weathered a little bit of a clipper storm. And then I, I thought really were able to hold their own in the second quarter to hold on and be within, you know, a point or two. I forget the halftime score, but they were very, it was very tight going into halftime. But the Clippers, you know, flexed their muscles in the third and, and kind of put the Knicks away. The fourth quarter didn't really matter a ton. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard was Kawhi Leonard, got to the free throw line a bunch. I think he must have shot 10 free throws. Let me double check that. But he he had a fantastic game, a Kawhi Leonard-like performance. He actually, oh, he actually went 11 of 11 from the free throw line. So Kawhi was Kawhi. Paul George took a little bit of a backseat, still chipped in. But but all five starters for the Clippers were in double figures. You know, again, Serge Ibaka had a pretty solid game as well. Uh, Patrick Patterson, you know, Marcus Morris, former Nick, chipped in with 11 points. So there there was, you know, it was a Clipper-like performance. The Clippers played like they should, like the potential NBA champs, and they showed their depth, they showed their class, and they won, I think, by 14 points. So it was a game I didn't expect the Knicks to win, but it didn't matter to me as much, at least me personally, because the Knicks had taken care of Cleveland in that first game. So, you know, this was a game the Knicks, it was always going to be uh, an expected loss for the Knicks. And, and listen, they held their own for for the first half and, and the third quarter ended up being the difference maker that the Clippers pulled away in the third and, and never really looked back. I think they, you know, there was a, there was a brief, you know, a brief moment in the fourth where you thought maybe the Knicks could maybe, you know, possibly get back into it, but the Clippers quickly shut that down and put the game away. So, you give a potential NBA title contender their due. Um, and listen, ton of positives, I thought, to take from this game. 25 more from Emmanuel Quickly, who's quickly gaining on Alfred Payton. I mean, it's, it's 
If he keeps doing this, he's going to eclipse him at some point this season for the starting job. Alfred Payton did have double figures in points and three assists, but R.J. Barrett finally putting a couple of really good games together at 23 points as well. And Julius Randle was fantastic, 27, 12, and five assists. Uh, to be fair, not much else from the bench besides the 25, which is a, t- a crap ton uh, from Emmanuel Quickly. Um, we did see a little bit from Taj Gibson, which we hadn't seen a ton yet this season, and he didn't really do too much. So that was a little interesting, a, a, bit, a brief cameo from him, because to be fair, the Clippers have a lot of size, specifically in the front court, so that made some sense. Alec Burks has cooled off a little bit, it feels like, during this stretch. It's not always the double figures you're used to seeing, but he's going to give you some points off the bench. That's why the Knicks have kept him around, and they're, and they're going to use him quite a bit, you feel like this season. And I thought Mitchell Robinson, you know, is, is, you know, kind of getting back into some sort of a groove. It felt like, you know, I'd like to see him get double doubles. That that feels like, you know, he should be getting that pretty consistently. He's, he can be so good at times. He had nine and six in this game, but not quite doing that consistently yet. And and then to me came the, the two, in my opinion, defining games of this week were, were the, the home and home. Or I should say, I should say, pardon me, the two on the road against Chicago. These these felt like two massive games with the teams virtually tied uh, in the Eastern Conference standings. I thought the Knicks needed at least one. I thought they could possibly get two. Um, the, the Knicks, you know, in my opinion, I thought lost a bit of an opportunity in the first game. You know, they, they did fall behind early and were trailing at the half, but the third quarter I felt like was a big opportunity for the Knicks to maybe take a lead into the fourth, and they didn't really capitalize on that. It felt like the Bulls gained some momentum off of that, and 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 they pulled out a, a, a close eight-point win. It felt like it was closer than that. Randall was Randall again. I, this guy should get more all-star votes. I think he was seventh or eighth in the front court voting. This guy's been a monster. He deserves more all-star votes than what he's got at the moment. You know, I think the difference in this game was was R.J. Barrett offensively. You know, didn't didn't do particularly well. wasn't efficient from the field. didn't make a three all game, and it's it's a shame because he threw you know the Nick not not R.J. Barrett specifically, but the Knicks threw away a fantastic performance, not only from Emmanuel Quickly, who had sixteen seven assists and six rebounds, but also Alec Burks had eighteen off the bench, and that felt like a big eighteen. Throughout most of the game, he hit a lot of big shots that kind of kept the Knicks within touching distance in this game. And again, Nerland's Noel with five blocks, seven assists, and almost double figures in points. So the bench in this game really shined, but the Knicks starters didn't back it up. Again, another really, I, this has been a really tough week for, for Alfred Payton. He did not have a good week at all, and Emmanuel quickly did. So it's... You know, again, it's the NBA, so changes don't always come after one week, but it was, you know, especially when the Knicks are doing relatively well. But it's one of those things where, you know, Alfred Payton is not playing as many minutes now as as Emmanuel quickly, but he's still starting and, you know, kind of thrown in clunkers a lot more than he had been in, in the last few weeks. So that was a disappointing loss, but the Knicks bounced back. They made the adjustments they needed to make. And a lot of I, I thought a lot of players played a lot, a lot better. The roles were reversed for the one time this week with Quickly and, and Peyton, but Quickly I thought still played well in his limited amount of time. 
You know, Peyton got his full 35 minutes, had 20 points, four assists, eight rebounds. And, and maybe that's the thing. You know, Alfred Peyton, you know, he's been banged up a little bit. You know, getting him back to being close to 100%, you know, it, all NBA players deal with it, but sometimes, you know, you need a little bit more playing time to get out of it a little bit. And he, and he, he looked a lot better in this second Chicago game and, and quickly in, in 13 minutes still did a, a solid job with nine points and a few other uh, numbers in the stat category with an assist and a rebound. So the bench wasn't needed as much in this game, but the contributions were crucial. And in the end, Julius Randle's 27, 6, 6, and 2. God, he's just amazing this year. And a, and a slightly better R.J. Barrett performance scoring the basketball was the key in a 107-103 victory. And really, it came down to the first quarter that the Knicks built a healthy first quarter lead the Bulls slowly but surely chipped away. I remember, you know, constantly, uh, you know, checking back on this one in the, in the middle of uh, doing some work and thinking, oh boy, the Knicks are kind of letting this slip. But they held on. They made the adjustments late. And despite a fourth quarter surge from the Bulls, the Knicks held on to win by four, 107 to 103. And it's a big win. It's a big win. And I'll tell you what, what else was, was nice to see as well. People were picking the game, you know, nationally on TV and radio and things like that, expecting the Knicks to win. They can, you know, that you know what they lost the first game, but this is a different Knicks team. I expect them to come back, talking about the pundits or whatever, the broadcasters, and win the second game and split the back-to-back with Chicago. And the Knicks did that, and, and that was a massive split with a team that, you know, if things keep going this way you could very well be fighting for a playoff spot with. So it's a it's a big victory for the Knicks to pick up. It, it finishes off, in my opinion, a pretty solid 2-2 two and two week. Two games that you win against playoff potential contenders, and then two other teams that, you know, you'll, you lose a tight one to Chicago in the other game, and then possibly this year's NBA champion comes into your building and you hold, or I should say you're competitive with them. So it, it, it's it's one of those things where the Knicks have to feel like progress continues. This is this was another good week of progress for the Knicks. I, I was the more I watch Julius Randle, the more impressed I am. I, I still am I'm still enjoying the progress of R.J. Barrett. I think I I was listening back to a couple of shows ago, and I and I I almost felt like I was being a little too hard on R.J. But then again, you know, it is the sophomore year. You are expecting a guy to step up and get better in his sophomore year. So you need that consistency. And we haven't always gotten it from R.J. Barrett yet, but we're only 23 games in it. And I think R.J. Barrett's going to continue to get better as the season goes on. And that's what, that can only be good for the Knicks. So I, I, I'm, I'm happy with where he's at. And how can you not be happy with the week that Emmanuel quickly just had? I mean, incredible numbers in almost all four of the games, and he outshined Alfred Payton in three of the four matchups. So you got to love the rookie's progression. The consistency is starting to come a little bit, and he's just electrifying at times. He really is, Emmanuel Quickly. I remember reading his scouting report on draft night when the Knicks traded to get him, and, and one of the things that they were knocking was his athleticism. And, and I get it, he's not a jump-out-of-the-gym kind of guy. But Emmanuel, quickly, is a shifty guy that can make a lot of plays. He's agile. He's got some afterburners on him as well. He's not a, he's not exactly a, uh, 
you know, a a guy that sits back and and has to, you know, really pick his way through. He he's got the the quickness as well to jolt past guys and 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 make things happen. And he can shoot the heck out of the ball when he's get when he gets going. So I Emmanuel quickly is fun to watch. And and to be fair, you know, a lot I know a lot of people have been knocking Alfred Payton. I think there was even a Twitter account that people were saying, you know. Well, the, the, to be fair, the Twitter account that I saw was was tweeting out that Alfred Payton should be an all-star and everyone was retweeting it and stuff like that. And then the Twitter account said, I'm not Alfred Payton. So I guess the, the a Twitter account was being accused of being a, you know, a bait uh, or I guess a dummy Alfred Payton account possibly run by Alfred Payton or, or like a supporter, like a Knicks fan that's being, you know, controlled by... You know, their account being controlled by Alfred Payton potentially that was odd, but it, and that's a that's a weird aside. But regardless, you know Alfred Payton had a really good finish to the week, which is it, to be fair, it's better for the Knicks when they're both playing well. So I get the whole, you know, we want Emmanuel quickly to shine, but Alfred Payton needs to play well too for this Knicks team to potentially make a playoff run. So I, I think that. The way that the week finished was a was a good week for the backcourt. I, I think the backcourt had an awesome week overall. Quickly and Peyton together could really be dynamic if they're both playing well. And we, we saw signs of that in, in that second Bulls game. Both of them making an impact and both of them shining bright in a big game. So I, I enjoyed the heck out of that. It's good to see more of that from R.J. Barrett, who continues to get better. And Julius Randle is an all-star candidate. There's no debating that anymore. I, he is legitimately in the conversation to be an all-star player. It's it's amazing to see. And again, we, we've talked about the potentials of trading Julius Randle. We've talked about the potential, you know, things that the Knicks could get back in a trade if they were to to deal Julius Randle, try to get you know the maximum amount for him, like we saw the Knicks do with Marcus Morris to the Clippers last season. But I think you've also got to enjoy the fact that the Knicks have a potential all-star on their team right now who is just absolutely dominating at times in games. I mean, absolutely dominating and is on triple-double watch every night. That's extremely impressive. So the Knicks have got to feel pretty good. Again, they've got some momentum going into this Portland game on Saturday. And listen, the Knicks lost a really tight game at Portland. This feels like a winnable game. And then again, Jimmy Butler's back for Miami. But this is, again, this is a depleted Miami Heat team. It's not the same as last year. It's a home-and-home with Miami from the 7th to the ninth. That feels like a winnable stretch. And then it's Washington, Houston, Atlanta, and Orlando. And then you're towards the end of February where there's going to be some tough games mixed in with some winnable games. This is a big month for the Knicks. Again, I, I said this at the end of January. This feels like a month where the Knicks can really do some damage. This feels like a, a month where the Knicks can win a lot of games. There's a lot of games that are winnable. And there's a lot of games where the Knicks, even if you think the team that they're playing is better than them, they can beat them. They can beat them. You got Miami twice, beatable. Portland coming up next, they're beatable. San Antonio on in fe- on uh, February 20th, that's a winnable game at home for the Knicks. Golden State at home, the Knicks just beat Golden State on that West Coast road trip. Sacramento at home, played them very tight at times in, in Sacramento. 
Knicks have already beaten the Pacers. They get them at home. And then you finish off the month of February at Detroit, a very winnable game for the Knicks. So this is a big opportunity, February. It really is. I, I could see the Knicks, potentially, if things go their way, being above 500 at the end of this month. It's possible. It really is. And the Knicks begin March at San Antonio. And then we dive in there. So it, it's it's, in my opinion... In my opinion, this is a very big month for the New York Knicks. This is huge. This could be, honestly, this could really set them on their way to a potential playoff run. This is a month where the Knicks can really get a lot of positives. I know overall the Knicks have lost two, or I should say they've lost five of their last seven, right, overall. But the Knicks have been playing well. They've been playing some tough teams as well along that stretch. And remember, they were... Three of those losses were on that really tough West Coast road trip where they were competitive pretty much throughout most of the trip until that second half in Utah. So the Knicks are really, again, the signs are there. They're putting together really good performances. So yes, they're 10 and 13 going into the, the meat of the month of February. But this is, again, I feel like the Knicks could be above 500 when this month is over. It's possible with the winnable games that are coming up for this Knicks team. Maybe it's ambitious, and you can let me know that in the comments, but this could be a huge month, potentially, for New York. Let me take a break there. When we come back, should there be an NBA All-Star game this season? And after they just played the Bulls, could the Knicks be looking to bring a Bull over to New York? All that and more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Ah, the All-Star game. I, I Listen, second half of the show, I, I want to talk a lot about this, because this is actually a topic we haven't really touched on too much on this show. First and foremost, I love the All-Star game. I know there's a lot of people out there that couldn't give less of a crap about it, I'm a big All-Star Saturday Night guy. I think I've mentioned that before on this show. I think it's great. I enjoy it. I, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't. I, I, I've I've talked to many of you, whether it's been on uh, you know social media or buddies of mine who I've talked with about this over the years. It, it's I think the majority of people enjoy All-Star Saturday Night and they enjoy the All-Star Game. But there's there's skeptics out there that don't enjoy it. And, and I, listen, I've said this on the podcast before. I love the dunk contest. I think the skills challenge is awesome. I, I even think the three-point contest is great as well. And I think the, at least recently, it's been the, the Shooting Stars has been the fourth event where they take an NBA player, a WNBA player, and an NBA legend, and they put them on the same team and they have to make a shots from a certain part of the floor and then they take turns making a half court shot and it's time. So whoever gets the best time wins the event, basically. Um I, I love that. I think it's great. And I I I think it would be great without fans too. I've had a number of people tell me that over the last couple of weeks. They're like, well why do it? No, the fans aren't going to be able to be there to see it. Well you can still hold something like this 
and and the fans will watch. Like I I, I feel like that just because there's nobody there doesn't mean it can't be great. I I get the one event I get could be could suffer from it is the dunk contest. I totally understand that, right? The crowd hypes up the dunkers. The crowd goes nuts when they see a great dunk. And and I that's one of my favorite parts of the dunk contest are the players' reactions and then the fans' reactions to great dunks. And and the last dunk contest was awesome. Aaron Gordon again got robbed this time by Derek Jones Jr. And then you lead into the All-Star game. Should there be one? Well, on Thursday, the league and the players came to an agreement, according to Shams of The Athletic, that the All-Star game is going to be held in Atlanta on March 7th. So about a month away, just over a month away from when this podcast goes out, there will be an All-Star game. Now, according to Shams, the details have not been finalized, but they plan on having a slam dunk contest and a three-point shootout. So, as and listen, I get the skeptics here, right? I get it. And apparently, the most vocal so far has been De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings, who called the idea of holding an all-star game during a pandemic quote-unquote, stupid. I understand why he feels that way. The, the, the cons here are, we're playing a lot of games in a short period of time, and sometimes even a shorter period of time than we normally play games. Why throw in an all-star game and a slam dunk and a three-point contest where the break might not be as long as it normally is and the benefits are even lower than they normally are? The fans aren't going to be able to see it live, and, you know, it's a pandemic. There's, you know, you put yourself in, an, in another opportunity where you could get exposed to the virus. I, I listen, I sympathize. I really do. I, I, I understand where De'Aaron Fox is coming from. This is, and to be fair, I've been somebody who's been very, very pro-mask. You got to, you know, social distance. Things like that, especially now when, when the when the vaccines are coming around and things like that, slowly but but surely. This feels like a thing to me where if you're selected to an all-star game, or you're reached out to to do the dunk contest or to do the three-point shootout, and you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But if you do want to do it, and there's enough people to do it, and you could do it safely, why not just do it? Because one of the things that, that's been important with sports has been normal, you know, keeping the norm, right? The normality. Normalcy, I think was the word I was trying to say. <laughs> so I, I, I can also see where players think, well, if I get invited, I should be able to play. You know, if they can do what they've been doing, and one thing that one thing that makes me more comfortable saying this is for the first time in, in a couple of weeks, I think, or at least a week and a half, there's been zero NBA positive tests for COVID among players and staff. Zero. So I get it. Everyone's coming from different different places. They're gonna need time to test everybody properly and quarantine everybody, potentially. 
or or not. Maybe they maybe you test everybody on the way in, and then you test them on the way out of an All Star weekend, so they know how they how, where they stand going back to their teams. And if they have to quarantine, they'll have to quarantine. God forbid. But you know, again, you'd have to make those precautions available to these players and potentially, you know, again, the coaches who are, who might have to coach these all-star games and things like that, the all-star game and other things. So I feel like this is doable. I, I, I feel like this is a great idea to go along with this. Listen, you don't have to do the, you know, the rising stars. If you don't want to, you don't have to do the, uh, the skills challenge to maybe limit the number of players that are there or, and you don't have to do, the shooting stars, because again, maybe some of the players, the, the NBA legends, are in that bracket where they should not be going out in public um, without a mask. And, and obviously, the, these players would be expected to do these competitions without a mask on. So you don't want to you don't want to potentially expose you know these older NBA legends, so or WNBA legends if they decide to go that route. So this. I, again, I go back to what I originally said. This is doable for the NBA. They've shown that they are once again leading sports in how to do this stuff. I, I feel like I trust Adam Silver enough that if the protocols are in place and he allows the players to make up their minds, like any other All-Star game, by the way, some players decide, you know, I'm banged up, I'm not going to play. Or players, you know, players in the past are injured. So you just go to the next guy. You go to the to, to the next vote getter or or a a vote in replacement for the All-Star game or the dunk contest or the or heck even the three-point shootout. So let's say, you know, for the sake of the argument, I'm just, you know, player A who's an All-Star starter says, "You know what? I I'm not comfortable." Well, then you move up a player from the bench to the starting lineup. And if you can bring in another all-star, you do it. And if you don't, you don't. You just need enough guys for an NBA ro- two NBA rosters. And you can play an all-star game. So I, I think that it's... I get what De'Aaron Fox is saying to a certain degree. But you're already playing an 80-game schedule almost. So it, it, I think what I'm saying is... His, his, his point is valid. There's reason for concern. But I don't think that's that, you know, if players want to play, they should have the right to play. It's their season. And if they don't, they don't have to. No one's stopping them from saying, you know what? I don't feel comfortable. Or I want to rest. <laughs> then you've earned your rest. Go rest. But I think for the norm. And I think for the entertainment, it could be nice to still have an NBA All-Star game. I think, again, if the protocols are in place, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have it. The NBA has already gotten a number of times this season, including this last week, zero positive tests for COVID. Now, the, the part that made me pause was this is another opportunity for positive tests to show up. And it is. You've added another game and potentially two more events. All-Star Saturday night and then the All-Star game. But if the NBA handles it right, they could do this. They can. 
They've proven it time and time again during this pandemic that the NBA is the leader on this in, in sports. They continue to be the example. You know, Major League Baseball still can't agree on a season right now. The NHL is doing the best they can. So far, it's been okay in the early portions of their season. And the NFL at times has been a train wreck this season with entire teams sometimes being knocked away because of COVID testing. And forget about college athletics. You're getting sometimes 50 to 70 games a week that have been postponed or canceled around college basketball. So the NBA is doing it right. They're the, they're the sporting conglomerate to look at here. And I think if they can pull it off, they should do it. Listen, I, 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 this is, this is, this is an, an argument and a conversation I can already tell is going to rile some people up. And I get it. De'Aaron Fox is not out of bounds by saying what he said. I, I, I totally, I totally sympathize with what he said. I really do. But I also trust the NBA. I think that's just kind of where I, I go back to on this. I think Adam Silver's done a hell of a job. I really do. From the bubble all the way through the 24-23 game point in this NBA regular season. And now he's given himself a month to figure out the protocols of how to do it in Atlanta for an all-star game. This is how you do it. This is how you do it during a pandemic. He continues to shine, Adam Silver. He really does. He continues to knock this thing out of the park. I mean, when the story of this pandemic is written, Adam Silver's name has got to be in this conversation. It's unbelievable what he's done. The NBA has done an unbelievable job. And if they want to reward themselves with as safe of an all-star game as they can possibly put on, more power to them, in my opinion. And we get to see the stars shine in a, in a time that's been really dull. I'm sorry, not dull, dim. For our country. I think that's great. And by the way, it's another opportunity. I know, I know it's, again, it's another opportunity for positive tests. Again, I get that, 100%. But it's also another opportunity to continue to support Black Lives Matter on a national scale. I think that'd be great to do what they did in the bubble at the All-Star game. And, and, and players can continue to spread that message. And coaches can continue to spread that message. I think the All-Star game could be another great platform to continue to push that message along. So I, I think it could be another great win-win here. For the NBA, as long as they can do it safely. Again, that caveat's got to be there. But if anyone can, right? If anyone can, that's my point. If anyone can do it right, it's the NBA. Let me finish the show with this. Teased it at the break. The Knicks apparently, according to reports, could be interested in landing Laurie Markkinen this offseason. Larry Markin is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times said, do not rule out the Knicks making an offer, quote-unquote. And this was written after the Knicks played the Bulls over two games. According, or I should say, reportedly, Tom Thibodeau 
has, quote, always been a huge fan, unquote, of Laurie Markkinen and could bring him aboard if the Bulls fail to sign him to a long-term extension last offseason. So the Bulls couldn't sign him last year. He could be a restricted, I should say, he's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason, and he's only 23 years old. Guy that played at Arizona in college, and he's got, I mean, he's got some star power, no question. No question about it. He's really, again, he's got some injury problems, but he's got star potential written all over him. Laurie Markin, and he really does. And the Knicks have gotten a good dose of him the last couple of games, and we've seen how good he can be. 13 games this year, Markkinen's just averaging under 20 points per game. He's shooting over 51% from the field and 40% from downtown. All of them on pace for career highs. And Basketball Reference has his effective field goal percentage at almost 62%. That's top 10 in the league. So, again, he's really consistently getting better in his fourth season. The other thing is, right, Julius Randle could be on the trade block. If the Knicks decide to trade him, they could clear up space, and then it could be Obi Toppin and Laurie Markkinen playing in that in that front court, and then you bring back whatever you get from, from that Julius Randle trade and incorporate it with what you've got in the backcourt. Some of the other veterans... And then the hope is that Obi Toppin continues to grow and he can play those two together. That's kind of where this scenario, you know, rumor slash situation ends up, right? It's interesting. It's, again, one for down the road. That's all I'm going to say. One for down the road. Definitely worth keeping in mind. There is one more thing I did want to touch on before we get out of here. The Westchester Knicks have put together their roster. We actually have it up on the site. If you want to take a look, you could go to postingandtoasting.com. I believe it's the first article there at the moment. We touch on it. Um, It's worth a read. It's worth looking over. There's some interesting players to look at. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. will be involved, it looks like. Iggy Brasdakis will be as well. We saw Jared Harper a little bit during the preseason. He will be there, as will Theo Pinson as two-way players, those latter two. Bryce Brown comes back. We will get to see Miles Powell from Seton Hall in a Westchester Knicks uniform. You know I'm excited about that as a Seton Hall alum. Scala BCA for your Kentucky Wildcat fans out there. He will be playing for this team as well. Speaking of Kentucky Wildcats, James Young is going to be here with the Westchester Knicks as well. He was a player in college with Kentucky, who I thought had a really bright future. He's one that I, he's one of my recent ones I missed huge on in the draft. I, I thought James Young was going to be fantastic. I really did. And he just hasn't panned out yet in the NBA, but he's going to get another shot with the Westchester Knicks after playing in Israel. Andrew White III is a returning player. Tyler Hall is a returning player. 
Lewis King is a returning player, and Justin Patton, former Creighton Blue Jay, also could be in the mix as well. So Westchester apparently reserves Patton's rights this season due to Wisconsin's non-attendance in this upcoming G League single-site condensed season. So they have him at their disposal for now. Tredion Hollins as well via trade, returning player. Simi Shitu, a guy I believe played at uh, maybe Vanderbilt? This one I might have to look up. Simi Shitu, uh, and, and pardon the name there. This is a guy, yeah, played at Vandy in college. Really young guy. Really young guy. 21 years of age. Really good defensive player. Was with the Windy City Bulls a season ago. So, I listen, I'm only throwing this out there because there's a number of players on there that, that pique my interest. I'm, I'm going to be interested in Miles Powell. I'm going to be interested in Bryce Brown, as well as Theo Pinson, Jared Harper, Iggy Brasdakis, and sadly, again, it's just continued to go downhill for this guy, but Dennis Smith Jr. as well. So, for the time being, it's a very interesting roster. And again, some guys maybe for the future for the Knicks. Who knows? Maybe not. But we'll see. And I'm excited to see Miles Powell at least get a shot with the Knicks affiliate after not getting a lot of a, not not getting a lot of opportunities to play with the Knicks in the preseason. So positive signs for him and some of those other younger players, and some returning as well that'll get an opportunity to play with Westchester and maybe who knows build on it and. You never know. It's happened before. Maybe it'll happen again. Maybe we'll see one of these guys, maybe two of these guys, further down the road, we'll have to say. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening to this show week in and week out. You guys have continued to support the show throughout this entire pandemic. You guys are the best, and I just wish you guys the best moving forward. Continue to stay safe out there. Make sure... That despite all the tough parts and all the, you know, the stress and the grind and the work and things like that, you're spending time with your family and your friends as best you can and as safely as you can. And let me know what you think about what the Knicks are doing, what the NBA is doing with the All-Star game, the Westchester Knicks. I touched on a lot. A potential Laurie Markkinen signing this offseason. We're talking about it all, so let me know what you think. You can hit me up on Twitter at SHA7 or... You can go to the comments on postingandtoasting.com. As always, leave me a line there. Guys, again, thank you as always for listening. And I'll see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.